The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. So we start That's with a wrap the of today's news. Trial. Don't forget you can Zandile catch the full Midday Kumalo Report live on, on 702 and Cape Remember, Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Weiner. The Midday Report. So Zandile Kumalo, earlier today, as you heard that clip in Eyewitness News, getting very emotional, having to take a comfort break. She described the moments when Senzo Miwa was shot. Let's have a listen in now to what exactly is happening as the prosecutor, George Boloy, leads Zandila Kumalo through her testimony. Another way. Okay. I hear you. So there were two females. Two females. Okay. Yes. May I proceed? And then he was there and then he was there from uh, there we arrived uh, a bit late and uh, we were interrogated up until around nine in the evening. Yes. Yeah. And then again, then we were told to try From there, we were then told to go home. Was the statement taken from Scone statement is attached? Yeah, yes. yes, a statement was taken from me. Yes. Do you know the female police officer who was present there? No, I don't. Yes. Okay, you may continue. And then that's Sandile Kumalo busy giving evidence about the night that Senzo Miwa was shot. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter in court for us. Nokukanya, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, take us through this morning's testimony. What has uh, Zandile Kumalo been saying? And also, she became very emotional at one point. Tell us about that. Hmm, certainly. Good afternoon, Mandy. I think it's been a morning for Zandi Kumalo, at least, where she's had to grapple with some of her emotions as she recalls um, now what happened post the shooting yesterday. Mandy, when we spoke the last time, we had spoken about the build-up to that fatal moment, and today we're now dealing with the fallout afterwards, the rush to the hospital for Senzamayewa uh, to be treated, uh, and what subsequently happened after that. He, of course, didn't make it to the hospital as far as we understand from what Zandi is telling us. Um, what also then happened at the hospital, according to her, was an altercation between um, Zandi, Zandila's sister, Kelly Kumalo, as well as Meiwa's wife, Mandi. So when she arrived at the hospital, having heard of the news, she also says that Kelly made the accusations that she was, in fact, responsible for what had happened um, thereafter. She then also details the days after the shooting, so the interaction with uh, law enforcement, having to uh, identify who she believes um, you know, was the, were the people who were responsible for the home invasion and the shooting. Again, she identifies two people, um, and those features being a, a shorter man who had 
shoulder length dreadlocks as well as a beanie on and a much taller, slimmer man who was wearing a hoodie. Those two being the people who invaded the home. They were then later, I think a day or two or three later after that, Nandi called for um, uh, a suspect parade to identify people who had been arrested and allegedly been behind the shooting. She said, one person resembled the um, the identikit that she had given police, uh, that being of the shorter man with the dreadlocks, but then later said, even though they, they looked somewhat similar, he might not have been the person who was behind that uh, incident. They, she actually thinks that police mm. might have arrested the wrong people. The clip that you played there a short while ago, Mandy, was her then saying, um, that they'd been called in to for interrogation herself as well as her former partner Longwood Twyla a couple of days after that as well. Um, they'd gone into the police station to uh, to be in, to be interrogated. The, the the nature of the interrogation and what exactly they were asked. Uh, we're yet to hear at this point, Mandy. I am interested to hear, Nokukanya, about how the judge is conducting himself in this matter because we do have a new judge in Judge Rata Mohwatling, and that is because uh, Judge Chifiwa Maomela has been suspended. How has he been balancing the rights of the media and the rights of the accused? Because that was always a very contentious matter in this trial. So he's very particular, Mandy, about how the, this rebooted trial is being conducted. Very particular about the details of the law and sticking to uh, within the parameters of the law. Earlier, we had to somewhat had a reapp- well, not so much a reapplication, but the hearing of the directives about how media would conduct itself and doing so in a nature uh, that both protects the, the, the rights of the, the suspects. Uh, the witnesses, and as well as the conduct, the general conduct of the law. And, you know, but he, he gives media the space that it needs to be able to do their job while uh, upholding the, the laws of the, of, of, of the court. Um, but also, interestingly, he's been very quiet throughout the proceedings, uh, hasn't asked for much clarification at this point uh, in terms of the witness testimony uh, that's being led by State Prosecutor George Baloy. Uh, you know, Keeping very silent at this point, Mandy, but also right. ensuring that, uh, you know, everything that's discussed is done to the letter of the law. Nokukanya, thank you very much. Uh, Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter in trial for us in the Senzo Miyua case as Zandile Kumalo continues to give evidence. The Midday Report. Yesterday on this show, news breaking about the fact that uh, the president, Cyril Ramaphosa's affidavit in that court matter with the DA around Vladimir Putin's potential arrest, would be made public at 2 o'clock yesterday. It was made public, and now we know the contents of that affidavit. President Cyril Ramaphosa saying that arresting Putin would complicate African leaders' attempts to broker peace between Russia and Ukraine, also saying that it could potentially uh, instigate a war uh, by and, and and Russia could uh, could could have a war with South Africa. I don't know how likely that is. He's saying that it could happen and that's why they were concerned and that was because there were threats that from Russia that uh, whoever does arrest uh, Putin will be subject to a war. So while that is happening, there is also conversation happening within the ANC. The ANC Treasurer General Gwen Ramakhopa saying that discussions are ongoing about whether or not Vladimir Putin will attend that BRICS summit in August. And then also the BRICS political parties plus 
dialogue is continuing today as well. Ndaezo Netonje is there for us. Ndaezo, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time today. So what is happening at the BRICS political party's dialogue today? And is this being impacted at all by this court matter and the affidavit that is playing out? Yeah, good afternoon, uh, Mandy. Uh, so today they've got... Uh, the commissions that are going to discuss that matter and other matters. So what we have heard in public is what uh, the ANC First Deputy Secretary General Nomvulam Gonyane has said, one on the issue of uh, the arrest uh, warrant and that affidavit. She echoes um, the president's uh, sentiments on the issue that uh, she says going to uh, or having any other conversation around Putin and their arrest could further upset the Russians and put African leaders um, on the back foot. And um, if uh, you listened to the president last night, Cyril uh, Ramaphosa, addressing this very uh, uh, political party's dialogue, he speaks about how there were attempts to stop uh, the there was a peace mission by the seven head, uh, African countries uh, in the lead up to that uh, visit to both Ukraine and Russia. And he says um, it had to to take, um, you know, some diplomatic conversations that were happening behind closed doors before it could happen. So I think that is, uh, if you take that conversation and what he has said in the affidavit, he's saying we need to take a more diplomatic stance in trying to deal with this and have behind closed doors conversations. So then seems that they are still quite committed to this notion of being a peace broker. That is fundamentally what is underpinning all of this, is that the president and the ANC still believes that South Africa and the ANC are uniquely positioned to broker peace between Russia and the Ukraine. Yes, and um, when you look at uh, some of the speakers that spoke here, including uh, uh, those from the ruling party in Russia, uh, they are yielding towards that. Um, you get the sense that they are understanding South Africa's stunt. And um, the ANC, in fact, today when Nomvula uh, Mkonyane spoke, I got the sense that they're even more confident that uh, the stunt that they are taking and ultimately so the South African government is taking is the one that will then put South Africa in a better position. In fact, she says uh, there's never been a time where South Africa has been at the center of decision-making on global matters, and they are there at the dining table, and they've put a stance that even the West and other big nations will have to understand it and ultimately even yield towards it. And Daezo, thank you very much. And Daezo Netonje, EWN senior reporter, speaking to us there at the BRICS ANC political party summit. Well, let's take another look at this now with Professor Sipaman Lazondi, who is the director of the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg. Professor, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. This notion that we could potentially be the peace broker, is that really what underpins all of this? And, and do you think that's why the president is so adamant uh, in his court documents, in his affidavit about this. Uh, hi, good, af- good afternoon, Mandy, and good afternoon to our listeners. Uh, it, it isn't actually a position the president takes himself. 
neither is it even a position the, the current the leaders are taking themselves. It is, it is pretty much a, a established South African foreign policy position since 1994, that one of trying to pay peace broker in matters of geopolitical tensions and conflict. That its natural position when the policy is followed and not deviated from must be not to support any side in a conflict, but rather must be trying to uh, pursue a peaceful settlement on conflict. And, uh, but when that is violated, then South Africa changes in very significant ways because it becomes a participant or become a partisan or, or something of that nature. And I guess that's what constrains them. It's actually a, a foreign policy position of South Africa for, for a while. Ramaphosa in his affidavit says that executing this arrest warrant from the International Criminal Court could spark a war with Russia. Do you think that's a realistic uh, position for him to take? Um, the Deputy Prime Minister of Russia, who is the head of the Russian National Security Council, the former Prime Minister, of course, the former President uh, uh, Medvedev, uh, did say just after the, the arrest warrant had been issued that they hold the same position on ICC arrest, arrest warrant as the United States. As you know, the United States has, has indicated anyone who arrests their, their people or for whatever reason, the soldiers, the ordinary people, they would be attacked. It would be a military attack. They say they hold the same position that anyone who effects an, an arrest warrant against any of their citizens as Russia, they will also do the same. So pretty much the same position of these big powers that uh, they would not be subject to this, to this court because they are not members of it. So it is a realistic thing that, or, let me say, so it is a, a formal position of the Russian government that uh, it's a declaration of, uh, of war to arrest their head of state. But it's a general international uh, conduct that any arrest of a, of a sitting head of state, it is a declaration of war against that. Uh, that that state. Prof, very briefly, uh, how do you see this playing out over the next few weeks? Um, I, I, I suspect that the, the, the summit will take place uh, perhaps without uh, President Putin. I don't think he will come here. Yeah, I don't think he would want to put South Africa in an awkward position um, uh, because South Africa will really be in a, in a very deep uh, trouble if he comes and they are unable to, to arrest him. And I think that is perhaps the, the best way it will, it will resolve itself. Professor Sipaman Lazondi, Director of the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg, thank you so much for your time. I must say, I think I agree with that, uh, that scenario. I think that Vladimir Putin won't come. I think that it's far too, uh, too ominous, the situation. It's far too, too volatile for him. Uh, so I think that while this is consuming a lot of the, the oxygen uh, in the political space at the moment, I think uh, that's my, my view. I don't think he will come. Maybe you feel differently. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. So a cracker of a politicking episode this week with Tzidi Madia. Every week is good, Tzidi. But this is a this is a particular cracker because you sat down with the suspended public protector, Busisiwe Mkwebane, and her husband, David and her husband, he is part good afternoon so, of the interview. So yes. I saw um, a very funny tweet yesterday from um, Palesa Rambulu saying, uh, it's take your husband day to school today. <laughs> 
Because it's, yeah. it's it, I mean, it's, it's quite bizarre, right? That an advocate to have a husband part and parcel of one, a media briefing, then a one-on-one interview as well. And he chips in here and there about issues. So you speak about Tina Jomat, he's also got views. Um, you speak about Figi Balula, he's got views. About some of the investigations, I think at some point I said to him, why are you nodding when you speak about investigations? <laughs> and, and, and she's like, he's in that space. And I was like, how? When you're linked to Super Sports United, it's very bizarre, Mandy. It's very odd. Okay, so you've asked her a, a bunch of questions. She spoke about the late uh, minister, Tina Jumat-Peterson, um, the allegations also um, of the, the extortion allegations, the strained relationship with the current acting public protector, Koleka Kaleka, also the ANC Secretary General, mm. Fakile Mbalula. Take us through some of that. You know, speaking of her deputy, who is obviously topping the list of nominations to replace her, she actually said she doesn't feel Kolega Kalega is ready for such a job, that she doesn't have the background she's had with the public protector's office, and that she conflates being a public a chapter nine institutions and the courts. She also spoke at length about Tina Joma because she is speaking about that section 194 inquiry, saying she doesn't mind going back. Just Richard Danchi should not be there, insisting that her and her husband's allegations are the truth. So she is going going to continue with that. She spoke a lot about the courts, but Mandy, she had a lot to also say about Figil Balula. I mean, you might have seen the clips from her husband, but she also had a lot saying that Figil Balula is actually launching what she deems to be personal attacks. Take a listen. Then he's angry, Naleo report. But unfortunately, there was not. I mean, to show what I was objective in what I do, the report which was brought, I issued as is, and he said he'd take it on review. He never did. Now the very same ANC, which is preaching who they are dealing with, the corruption, self-cleansing, they continue to appoint him uh, to be the... Uh, the minister just of, Secretary General. Oh, he can become a minister. He continued, yes. Transport. He continued in government. Yeah. And there was another report when he was a minister of transport, mm-hmm. appointed some advisors. And there he agreed, they agreed. They were dealing with the investigators. That okay, even those advisors know we'll pay back the money. We issued the report. But to you, the comment that is given. He insulted me. Put a hired gun. I opened a case because remember, Section 9 is very You cannot insult the public protector and the deputy public protector. I opened the case with the NP, uh, the police. They took it to Badoi and their team. They decided to, to, to not to prosecute. And then I was, before I was suspended, I was demanding the knowledge prosecute certificates, which oh. I will still demand. Okay, so what is the NPA saying about this private prosecution matter? The doesn't have for that. I actually asked them to say, is this true? Have you seen it? Has she done a request? They're saying, actually, the onus is on her to show that she actually did file this to someone. So they are actually looking into it as, as we speak, Mandy. Okay, she also spoke yesterday um, in her press conference thing um, about her political aspirations. <laughs> what has she said about that? Because could we see a president? Was you see Mkwebane? You sound like Clement Com- earlier, speaking about President Mkwebane. Um, Commander-in-Chief. She's going to the EFF, surely, right? I actually said, will I be seeing a Red Beret yeah. anytime soon? And she said she might be... Uh, looking at ways to participate to represent the public she's very much interested in the state of the constitution she doesn't agree with the way some of the 
elements of the constitution are structured, so she wants to challenge that. She's I mean, the, ir- the irony of that, of course, is that Tuli Madonsela was literally involved in the writing of the constitution. There's also that. I mean, Tuli Madonsela's name comes up quite a bit in the podcast as well, where the ANC is critical of her and she makes comparisons, and as well as the judgments, you know, says the courts must dig themselves in their own grave. She had a lot to say, Mandy. She has a lot to say. She says she'll fight to the bitter end. To what cause? For what cause? I'm not sure. So where to now for Bosisi Wemkubane? Because she still has to deal with this matter of uh, the impeachment and uh, Richard Dianti and all of that. Obviously, she's got a few months left in office. She's got about just over two months left in office. So the matter will, will in essence, be moot at the end of the day. But she does say that if Richard Dianti was to be removed tomorrow, because she's got an application trying to get him to be recused from the mat, from the committee, if that was to happen, she would go back. I even asked her, would it not have been easier to take a golden handshake as opposed to this back and forth? And she said they've never approached her with such, but even if they did, she wouldn't want to. She'd rather fight. Tidi, hmm. my dear, thank you very much as always. Go and have a listen to this episode of Politicking with Tidi, my dear, where she sits down with the suspended public protector, Busi Siwe Mkwebane, and it's a two-for-one special. Her husband, David Skosana, is also... Tidi's laughing as she walks out the door. Uh, they uh, discuss that Section 189 inquiry, um, the recordings of the late former minister, Tina Juma-Peterson, uh, the uh, acting public protector, the ANC as well. It really is a, a cracker well worth listening to. The Midday Report. Good day, Mandy. Listen to the professor saying the neutral stance was always the SA government's policy since 1994. But I think in theory he's right, but in practice I beg to differ because we have got the issue of Israel. The SA government is not neutral there. So thanks, David. Thanks, David. I think that's an excellent example and one that points out uh, the fact that, that, that they're saying they're neutral, but clearly they are not neutral in all instances. Uh, and the Democratic Alliance, John Steenhuisen, in response to that affidavit filed by the president, saying that it's a farce, that it is all farcical. And this whole idea that South Africa is trying to be neutral between Ukraine and Russia is a farce because we quite obviously know that we are aligned to Russia and that we are, are are leaning towards Russia in all of this. And that's why the president and, and the ANC and the government has found itself in such a tricky position when it comes to Vladimir Putin, the ICC, and the BRICS summit. 702, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Inflation figures out today, the annual consumer price inflation slowing much more than we expected it to, to 5.4% in June. That's from 6.3% in May. So finally, between that 3 to 6% band that the Reserve Bank likes to keep it in, and that, uh, that's a 20-month low. The last time that consumer inflation was below that maximum target of 6% was more than a year ago in April of last year. So, of course, there is a Monetary Policy Committee meeting happening this week. This might help the MPC not to hike interest rates uh, tomorrow. Economists polled by Reuters forecast, uh, forecasted a decline to 5.6%, and that is coming in slightly below that. Let's speak to Patrick Kelly, who is the Chief Director of Price Statistics. Uh, Patrick, good afternoon to you. Thanks very much for your time today. Take us through uh, the inflation numbers that have been published today. Yeah, good afternoon, Mandy. Well, as you say, headline inflation came in at 5.4%, uh, which is a lot lower than we've had for quite some time. Um, and indeed, the, the drop that we've had between May and June is the biggest drop that we've had since uh, May 2020. 
so I think that will uh, does reflect a, a certain amount of relief uh, at the consumer level. Um, in particular, what uh, we're seeing pulling inflation down and, and is often the key determinant uh, of the inflation rate is food and non-alcoholic beverages inflation, which came in at 11% uh, down uh, over the last three months. Uh, it had reached a high of 14% in March. And really the big food components like bread and cereals, like meat, uh, are all coming down. Um, you know, oils and fats, which had been very high at a certain point uh, is in negative territory, you know, negative 9.5. So these are some of the factors that are helping inflation to come down. I think the, the second main category is transport and in particular fuel, uh, where we have a negative 8.3%. So that's a drop of 8.3% over the last 12 months. Um, and you can see that in the actual decline in the rand petrol price. Uh, food, as you mentioned, is, is very interesting because, as you say, food and non-alcoholic beverage prices cooled for the third month in a row. But some uh, food prices still remain well above 2022 levels. I used the example of onions being 64% higher than they were this time last year. But uh, also sugar, sweets, um, uh, wine, beer, all of that, chocolate slabs, all the, all the stuff we shouldn't be having really, still much more expensive. Yeah, I think onions probably are on the healthy list. Uh, but um, no, no, you're, you're right. And look, so there are some of the key vegetables like onions, carrots and potatoes that have got very high inflation rates. Uh, these do tend to be quite volatile and depend a lot on weather conditions at various points in the growth process. Uh, we do still see maize meal is quite high. It's over 20% year on year. Uh, so that's, you know, that's really uh, does affect people as well. So it's not to say that when we see an overall drop in the inflation rate that it means that everything is uh, slowing. And indeed, it doesn't actually mean that prices are necessarily coming down. The example I used of oil, cooking oil is, is kind of an exception where it's in negative territory. But if the inflation rate is slowing, it just means prices are going up less quickly. The high prices that we've experienced are still there. The Statistician General always uh, rebukes me and reminds me that uh, he's not an analyst. He's just here to unpack the numbers. But I'm going to ask you this question anyway, Patrick. Um, if, you, if you had to look at this shift now and the inflation numbers coming down, is it, is it a, a key point in terms of a, of a shift in the trajectory? Could we see uh, continued uh, cooling over the coming months? Yeah, look, uh, I, I obviously must follow the Statistician General's instructions. Uh, but if we look back, uh, we saw inflation peaked at 7.9% in July last year. Um, economists like to talk about base effects, which is basically what is the month-to-month -month increase uh, over the 12-month period. And clearly up to July, those had been quite high. Uh, you know, June last year, we had an increase of 1% month-on-month. Uh, now we have 0.2. So if we see smaller month-on-month -month, uh, increases coming through, that will obviously help reduce the overall rates of inflation. I think we can also look uh, internationally. Uh, we do see in some of the key uh, developed economies, inflation is slowing down. Um, and our inflation this, in the cycle has largely been driven by international factors rather than kind of local weather or the like. Uh, so that would also be encouraging. Um, I think uh, the unknown, obviously, is the exchange rate, which does have a big impact indirectly and directly on the CPI, in particular in terms of fuel. Um, you know, I think that we had a decrease in the fuel prices in July. Uh, which would obviously uh, pull through as a, as a downward impact. But I see the AA predicting an increase in August. Uh, uh, so these are some unknowns mm. that are still out there. 
Patrick, thank you very much as always. Uh, Patrick Kelly, the Chief Director of Price Statistics at Stats SA, unpacking those numbers. Uh, our price, consumer price inflation slowing dramatically to 5.4% in June, so it's well down. Still lower than the UK as well. The Bank of England very worried uh, as well about inflation there. But that is some good news. Food prices still largely uh, higher than they were in 2022, but we have seen food and non-alcoholic beverage prices cooling for the third month in a row. The Midday Report. Well, let's change tack now and have a look at a very concerning issue around city power technicians. City power is concerned, warning that it won't hesitate to withdraw its technicians from hostile areas if they continue to be attacked. Yes, that's right. City power technicians are being attacked. We see this happening from time to time where um, paramedics have been attacked. Uh, in this instance, a group of City Power employees were hijacked while on duty in Indonesia South yesterday. The crew members were attending to a call from a customer about a faulty meter when they were attacked. City Power spokesperson Isaac Mangena joining us now to uh, tell us about this. Isaac, good afternoon to you. Um, this, of course, is extremely concerning. What happened in this incident in Indonesia South? Good afternoon, Mindy, and good afternoon to the listeners. Um, yes, it is really concerning um, because these uh, technicians were basically in Lenazia South to responding to a faulty meter call from a customer when they were accosted by uh, by about two or three um, um, criminals who had guns, and uh, they basically held them um, at gunpoint, and they 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 took they robbed them of their belongings, including cell phones and toolboxes, and also forced them um, to basically withdraw some money. Um, um, so they also robbed them of their money before they took the cars. Fortunately, the cars were found in two different areas, in Loli and also in Meriting, uh, informal settlements, also in Lenazia South. Isaac, is there a reason that city power technicians could be specifically targeted? The the cars, as you say, were recovered near the Meriting squatter camp in Indonesia South. So is it is it um, any specific tools that the technicians could have that they're after? Uh, or is it purely cell phones, cash, that kind of thing? Look, it's difficult to say exactly why they were targeted, but uh, what we have seen in the past, and I think even ESCOM did report on the fact that some of their technicians were were, were attacked and their cars were robbed. I think in Ekruleni two weeks ago, we had a situation where a technician was shot and killed. Um, while responding to a call. So it, it differs and it's different because even with City Power, in the past they took, um, uh, they hijacked the cars and the cars were not found. Um, so where they will take, um, um, they'll take or your step ladders or even your toolboxes while they are busy working. Um, and uh, they also did in, in GP's town, they took uh, cell phones. So in this instance, it could be the fact that um, the, the police and, and, and even the tracker responded quickly and they managed to basically trace these cars to these different uh, areas where, where they were found. But it looks like it was uh, also, you know, laced with some level of, um, you know, robberies because of uh, Often they'll take uh, cars and not uh, take the cell phones and toolboxes and other things. But here they basically rob them of their belongings. And I think uh, municipal uh, employees um, are 
a target because they will respond to calls, uh, whether they are fake calls or they are normal calls. But uh, that is the situation that we find ourselves. The danger about it is that um, the customer that blocked that call yesterday means that she slept without the lights because we couldn't continue. Our team was still traumatized. The the, the two ladies that were were, were with the with the two male um, technicians were crying um, even yesterday last night, and so that is really worrying because uh, it means that we are not going to be able to provide the service that we should to because of a few criminals and that's why one of our calls is to basically the communities because these criminals live among the communities to basically assist us and and, and assist us in terms of protecting some of these uh, technicians when they call when they come out to, to to do the repairs Isaac there is the possibility that the JMPD could uh, escort uh, the technicians but i imagine that would just be um it wouldn't be feasible for that to happen on every call yeah, I mean, uh, mainly the last time I was on your show, I spoke about 4,000 outage calls that we're dealing with. So imagine if for each one of those calls, we've got 4,000 uh, uh, JMPD cars uh, basically escorting us to those calls. It's really not feasible, as you said, but also it will be costly. But really, do we really have to be here? Because these this, this, um, uh, technicians are actually there to assist the very same community where they are, um, uh, you know, robbed and, and, and so forth. In the past, you'll remember, JMPD was also called in to escort the ambulances in most of the townships or non-affluent areas where some of the, 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 the employees were basically attacked. So while it is an option for us, it's really something that is not feasible and we really should not even be going there. The, the, the municipal workers should be protected. Yeah. They should they should actually be allowed to do their work as they should to ensure that the services reach uh, the, the residents of the city of Johannesburg. Isaac Magena, City Power Spokesperson, thank you for your time. It really is, it's, it's insanity, it's crazy. Uh, but we've seen this in the past with ambulance workers, as, as he's explained. We see it now with City Power technicians. Perhaps there's a view that it could be sabotage, that they don't want to fix, uh, don't want the technicians to fix the outages. But I think in this instance, it certainly looks like it's just robbery, like crime. The Midday Report. So if you thought we were out the woods after last week's cold front, I'm sorry to tell you that another cold front is going to be hitting uh, the country and uh, there's going to be a dramatic drop in temperature. The SA Weather Service saying that this cold front is coming. The cutoff low expected to develop over the southern interior of the country, bringing snow to the Cape Mountains today and to the Drakensberg, Lesotho, KwaZulu-Natal tomorrow. Vanisha Pakula is an SA Weather service forecaster joining us now. Venetia, good afternoon to you. Tell us what to expect. How bad is it going to be? Good day and good day to your listeners as well. At the moment, most of the snowfall, we're seeing them over the high-lying areas of the Eastern Cape, and then they will move to uh, the Dragonsberg of KZN uh, starting tomorrow. So we are expecting the, the, the rainfall to reach as far as Gauteng on Thursday, but so far we're not seeing the a snowfall reaching uh, Gauteng, and nor are we seeing it reaching uh, Mpumalanga. We haven't put it on our charts yet because the temperature seems to be slightly warmer than the previous uh, uh, 
uh, event we had uh, over Gauteng, but even that event, we, we were not expecting it to the snowfall to reach as far as uh, Gauteng, but mm-hmm. it did. So even this one, we will keep a lookout for it, but for now, our snowfall is mainly Eastern Cape, from the Western Cape today, and then Eastern Cape, and then extending to the Dragonsberg of KZN tomorrow. Okay, that's interesting, because I saw some reports saying that there could be snowfall uh, in Gauteng and Mpumalanga uh, this week again, but you're yes. saying don't, don't get ready with your, your carrots and make your snowmen. Not, yeah, not yet. We even did a video where we had uh, snowfalls for our social media extending to Gauteng and Mpumalanga, but the model seems to be changing their stories, changing their stories, hence we've decided to keep it out and just keep uh, the rainfall. They seem to be consistent when it comes to rainfall, but when it comes to the significant drop of temperatures that will lead to snowfall, it does not seem to be uh, showing any snowfall over Gaudenge and Mpumalanga thus far. And how long can we expect this cold weather for? The cold weather we expected to stay with us at least up until the weekend. It will get better because we're expecting the rainfall over Houghton to continue into uh, Friday. So by uh, Saturday, the rainfall would have left most parts of the country. So the temperatures will improve, but they will still remain relatively cold. So the weekend will be cold. Starting Monday, we will start feeling much better. Well, let's hope so. Venetia, thank you so much. Venetia Pakula, SA Weather Service forecaster, telling us what we can expect. The Midday Report. So breaking news for you. A statement has just dropped confirming that the South African government has confirmed that Russian President Vladimir Putin will not attend the BRICS summit to be held in South Africa next month. President Cyril Ramaphosa says this was by mutual agreement with Putin. Uh, my producer, Kamagwini, just sent me the full statement here. I'm trying to get it for you. Uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa confirming South Africa's readiness to host the historic 15th summit of the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. It will be the first BRICS summit to be hosted, blah, blah, blah. That stuff's not really that important to us right now because of the, the breaking news element here. Um, President Ramaphosa has in recent months and weeks held a number of consultations on the hosting of the summit. The president's most recent consultation in this regard took place last night at the BRICS political party dialogue in Gauteng. The summit will be attended by the leaders of Brazil, India, China and South Africa. By mutual agreement, President Vladimir Putin of the Russian Federation will not attend the summit but the Russian Federation will be represented by Foreign Minister Mr. Sergei Lavrov. In due course, a comprehensive statement on the substantive issues to be covered at the summit and other related foreign policy matters will be issued. President Ramaphosa is confident that the summit will be a success and calls on the nation to extend the necessary hospitality to the many delegates who will arrive from various parts of the continent and the globe, issued by the Presidency of the Republic of South Africa. So there's the breaking news for you. Vladimir Putin, didn't I just predict this? Didn't we just say this? And Sidi was in the studio nodding her head with me. And that's what uh, what we've been predicting here is that Vladimir Putin's not going to come. They'll find a, find a way out of this. So the crystal ball telling us and truth materializing that Vladimir Putin will not be coming to the BRICS summit. That breaking news. We'll try and get the president's spokesperson on. Kamagwini is already scrambling with uh, Vincent Maguenia at the moment. We'll try and get him on to explain all of that. But that's your breaking news. 
The Midday Report. Hello, hello, Mandy. Now that you mentioned it, I think is... Don't you think South Africa is ready for a female president? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Her Excellency, Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, uh, the President of the Republic of South Africa, Buziziwem Kwebane. That's, 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 that's a nice ring to it. Prince, in better of you. Hi, Mandy. Um, Kwebani from the beginning did not want to take part in the impeachment inquiry. Remember, she said that she's going there under protest. And I think uh, Richard Janji is giving Kwebani the run for her money. She must just go back and face Richard Janji. That's all. Finish and clear. Bobby from Soweto. Yo, thank you so much to Russia. This is Bongani in Tembisa. Thank you. So now we can name our friends. We can see that Russia is our friend. They don't want to get us in trouble. They don't want nothing. They don't want trouble with Africa. Africa to get in trouble. We can see that America is not our friend. Russia is our friend. They listen. Let's name our friends. Hey, listen, everyone's entitled to their view. If you want a president, commander-in-chief, and you want to vote for her, we live in a constitutional democracy. You're perfectly entitled to do that. You live with the consequences. Uh, if you just missed it, breaking news coming in that uh, the presidency confirming that uh, we are not going to see Vladimir Putin attending the BRICS summit. The president has confirmed this, saying it is by mutual agreement. Kamagwini Mabavana, uh, the award-winning producer of the Midday Report has uh, got hold of the presidential spokesperson, Vincent Maguena. Vincent, thank you so much for joining us at such a short notice. Uh, tell us about this mutual agreement and how the decision was reached. And uh, good afternoon to your listeners. Um, well, it wasn't a difficult process at all. As, as you know, um, there is the matter of an ICC warrant against President Putin. Alongside that, there is South Africa's obligation um, to fulfill um, ICC requirements as a signatory to the Rome Statute. Uh, President Ramaphosa embarked on a series of consultations with President Putin as well as other heads of state of uh, BRICS member countries uh, with respect to the format of, of the summit that South Africa will be hosting and chairing. And the result of those consultations is that uh, Russia will be represented by its foreign minister, Mr. Sergei Lavrov, um, in place of President Putin. Um, Other leaders from Brazil, China and India will attend the summit. Um, It will be the first summit that will be held in person since the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic and the subsequent global restrictions that followed. Vincent, are you able to tell us, did President Ramaphosa say to Vladimir Putin, please do not come, you're putting us in a difficult position, we do not want to have to arrest you. Was there a request? Was there an ultimatum? How did that conversation go? No, not really. It, 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 it was, there was a, a general appreciation of, of the issues. There was a general appreciation of South Africa's position. There was no resistance or demand or any imposition on the Russian side uh, for President Putin to attend the summit. There was an appreciation 
of of the issues and what these issues meant for both countries, but also more importantly, what those issues meant for the summit um, and the importance of hosting a successful summit. Uh, it is a historic summit, and so therefore none of the leaders uh, wanted the summit to be distracted in in any way. The president says in his affidavit, which has now been made public, that uh, there is a concern that having to arrest Vladimir Putin could spark a war with Russia, that Russia uh, could go to war with South Africa. If if that is the sentiment, uh, I'm surprised that this was reached by such mutual agreement. If if there were those undertones of concern that we we could land up becoming uh, such uh, fierce um, rivals in a war, if, if, if there is such mutual agreement the the statement by the russian government with respect to going to war with any country that will arrest president putin was not directed at south africa it was a general statement that the russian government made we didn't interpret that statement to be directed at us as south africa we took it to be a general statement that they chose uh, to make um, in discussions uh, between President Ramaphosa and President Putin, those discussions were always cordial, they were always professional, they were always warm. And as I said, there was an appreciation of the complexity of the situation that had to be considered. And, and it has been considered. And now we can look forward to a very successful and quite historic, if I may add, a BRIC summit. So the president, uh, then, does he consider this matter to be closed? Do you think it has? Does he think it has any impact on the relationship between South Africa and Russia going forward? Has it in any way eroded our relationship with Russia? No, South Africa did not issue a warrant of arrest against President Putin. It's the ICC that did so. Uh, we've maintained an open um, channel of communication and engagement with the Russian government, both at presidential level as well as at various official levels, including ministerial levels. Um, as you know, South Africa is an active uh, player or participant in the African leaders' peace mission to Ukraine and Russia. And so their relationship is not going to be eroded in any manner. They are ongoing engagements regarding the peace mission, regarding the Black Sea Green Initiative, which we are working very hard uh, to revive uh, for the sake of uh, food security on our continent and around the world. And so engagements uh, with the Russian government will continue and the relationship will continue to, to be warm and cordial and as it has always been. Vincent, uh, thank you so much for making time to speak to us at uh, such short notice. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mandy. Vincent Magwenya, the spokesperson for President Cyril Ramaphosa, there confirming what has been said in that statement, that by mutual agreement it has been decided that President Vladimir Putin of the Russian Federation will not attend the BRICS summit, but the Russian uh, Foreign Minister, Mr. Sergei Lavrov, will be attending. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.